This is Glenn Crooks on Frame. They have been the dominant team in the decade with three Division I national championships. And the Stanford women, they lost in the finals twice in 2009 and 2010. And keep in mind that two of their most famous alum, Kelly O'Hara and Kristen Press, Neither won a national title, but they did help set the scene in Palo Alto, where Paul Ratcliffe has been the manager the last 17 seasons. Paul, our guest today on Frame. Hey, before we get into the game and maybe some of the tactics, I know you were you were born in England, but you were you moved to the states really early. But then uh, I remember seeing that you you went back after high school to spend a year with Leeds, maybe training. Um, Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about that and how that might have uh, got you uh, rolling and rollicking in this game of soccer, or, or where where your uh, you know where your uh, passion developed. Yeah, so I'm originally from Leeds, England, um, and you know my parents came over to the United States. My dad got transferred for a job, and uh, he was really passionate about soccer. So I had always heard about Leeds. So after I finished high school, I decided to go over to Leeds and uh, train to see if I would want to be a professional player. And uh, it was a great experience to check out the, you know, how they live there and how they do things. Uh, but ultimately it real made me realize how important an education was. Um, so I was fortunate. I came back and then went to UCLA and, uh, and played at UCLA, but uh, I've always been passionate about soccer. It came from my parents. Um, and, you know, I, to this day, I still love the sport as you know. Uh, now, are you a, a lead supporter still? I mean, what, what do you think of uh, you know, Bielsa is there yeah, now? And is... Exactly, yeah, and he's a fascinating coach. So I've been doing some research on him and trying to learn as much as possible um, because he has some really interesting tech- coaching techniques. So he's worth looking into if you're uh, as soccer crazy as I am. And uh, he's done a great job with Leeds, so they're very close to, to moving up, and I'm hoping in the future they could uh, get back in the Premier League, which would be, uh, would be fantastic. Well, for those who aren't familiar with Bielsa and, and, and some of his methods, what, what stands out to you and what you might be able to even transfer to your own program? Yeah, just I think just interesting techniques. Um, you know, it, there's some of the stuff I've read that he, he sleeps at the, at the training ground. Um, he makes it like it's a job for his, uh, his athletes where they're there, you know, nine to five. So just different things, just showing the commitment level that he has. And then I've watched some of his videos and things that he does, and he's, he's pretty unique in how he approaches things. He really breaks the game down and looks at the fine details, um, which I think is, is really, uh, really interesting. So it, does that mean you put a, a, a cot into your office? Is this okay with your wife? I mean, yeah. you... <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, my wife will frown upon that, so I don't do that. I try to have a good balance. Um, so yeah, it's hard though, because you do get consumed by this job and it is so enjoyable and we're all so passionate that that's something you have to be really careful of that. You don't, uh, let it take over your entire life. You have to have a balance. I think I've tried to be really good about that through my, uh, through my career. So you played midfield on a national championship team at UCLA. So it's interesting. You worked under the late Siggy Schmidt. He was the head coach. And then Kobe Jones and Brad Friedel were on that team, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, your experience on the collegiate level, uh, you I, I mean, somewhere in there you, you decided maybe you want to coach. I don't know. Did, how much of an influence did Siggy have? Yeah, Siggy was a great influence on me. Um, you know, fantastic person, um, fantastic coach. Just had so much respect for him. I had a great relationship with him. 
and he helped me so much in, in getting me involved in, in coaching. Um, originally, when I first got in to coaching, I was at UCLA. My fifth year, I was going to be the graduate assistant for the men. And they started the women's program that year at UCLA. And Ziggy asked me if I would like to help with the women where I could be more hands-on and really coach rather than with the guys where I would just be, you know, hanging out, striking balls with the guys and doing stuff after training more, just practicing. So that's how I originally got involved. So I owe, you know, Ziggy a lot. He got me involved in women's soccer and I've had a great career so far. Uh Paul Ratcliffe, our guest, uh, head coach of uh, Stanford University. Uh, they won their third national championship uh, on on Sunday. And, you know, Paul, I, you know, you often hear, and I'm sure you hear it, but uh, you're a low-key guy. But uh, when I talk to coaches, they, uh, uh, when they watch your team play, they, they say things like, uh, does it the right way? Uh, I spoke to a, a prominent coach uh, the other day after your game, and, uh, this person was hoping that you won just because of how your team plays. And uh, and I want to share a quote from Andy Sullivan, which I'm sure you've heard. Uh, there was a, apparently in a pregame you were going up against a very direct physical team, uh, and, and you uh, use these words, uh, and this is the quote from Andy Sullivan, uh, one of your former players, Herman Trophy winner, U.S. Women's National Team. He basically said if we didn't win this game, soccer was going to turn into their style and not ours. So if we wanted our daughters to be able to play beautiful soccer, we needed to play beautiful <laughs> soccer and win the soccer game. Or I guess the uh, the soccer gods would transform it into uh, the other way. But this uh, obviously the way the game is played is pretty important to you. Yeah, I think so. You know, for me, I had a great experience playing, and I wanted to play good soccer, um, technical soccer, and then with intelligence, making good decisions. And uh, that's how I like to watch the game. It, I think it, there should be great entertainment value. Um, so it's definitely important to me that we play good soccer. But you have to be physically strong. You have to have a strong mentality as well to be good. So I think in this day and age, you have to kind of check all the boxes. It can't just be, you know, a couple of them. Um, but, you know, I lean towards wanting to see great technical soccer and intelligent play. That's what I would like to see the most. And we, we certainly see that when watching uh, your team. Uh, I, I, to me, arguably, you have three of the top players in the country, Sophia Smith, Katarina Macario, uh, Naomi Gurma, and uh, there are yep. many others. But I wanted to, to know if you prepared any differently for the final. Uh, here you are playing the second match in 72 hours, the way the final four is set up. And uh, you knew you were going to be under constant pressure, uh, Anson Dorrance, University of North Carolina, it's their way. Uh, a lot of substitutions the, in, in a wave. So were there were there different ways you had to really look at this game? Yeah, you know, it's a difficult dilemma. Obviously, you don't have a lot of time to prepare. It's a quick turnaround. Um, but the dilemma is that the magnitude of that game is so, you know, massive that people don't want to make mistakes and be the one that let down the team. So you really want them to play great soccer, but there is that level of anxiety within the group. So that was the challenge. I thought at the beginning of the game, you know, we didn't really play very well. I thought we were very tight and it was kind of an anxious performance. And uh, North Carolina put a lot of pressure on us. But as the game wore on, we started to settle in a little bit more and play better. Um, but even then, they make a lot of substitutions. So the tempo was still very fast and they were closing down spaces and did a great job against us so it was tough to break them down and get the goal we were looking for um 
but ultimately I think it became a great game for people to watch and going to penalties is obviously drama filled. So I think the, the fans definitely enjoyed it, but I would have preferred not to go to PKs and, and get a goal in regulation because it is so stressful. Well, your goalkeeper, uh, became, uh, well, rather famous, I think, uh, perhaps on the social media side when she came up with a save yes. in PKs. I'm sure you've seen that, and it went a bit viral, Katie Meyer. So uh, she is certainly someone who, um, well, has the, I, I would imagine, provides some of the inspiration for your squad. No doubt about it. I think our entire squad is very inspirational. They all are very um, tough um, you know, mentally focused and, and want to be the best they can be at everything they do. But uh, Katie Meyer has a huge personality, and I always say goalkeepers have those personalities. Um, they're usually a little bit different, and Katie is, you know, a fantastic personality and has done so much for our team. And to do that as a freshman, she was a redshirt freshman, just shows the level of commitment and confidence she has, and all of her teammates supported her all the way. So I was really proud of her, what she did. It was, it was extraordinary. Uh, and it was impressive. She knew exactly where the camera was. I mean, that was, that was, she was. Yeah, I didn't teach her that. I have no idea where that all comes from. But um, pretty cool to see that personality coming out. And she has fun with it. And she's been like that ever since we've, we've been coaching her at Stanford. Um, she's just a really fun personality and enjoys everything she's doing and is, is really passionate. Hey, Paul, were you surprised when they came out with a back four and answered at halftime, uh, revealed that he watched how you uh, – uh, especially with Sophia Smith on the right side, but took apart the, the back three of UCLA eventually. So they go with a back four. UNC normally is a you know three-back system. Yeah, no, I wasn't surprised because I know Anson's a smart guy, um, and he would study you know the, our, the, our previous game. And uh, UCLA playing in a back three, I thought we Sophia Smith um, in particular gave them a, a lot of trouble in that back three because there's so much space on the wing. So I had an idea he might change to a four back, but you never know. So I had to prepare for both, which is never easy for your student athletes to be telling them, be ready for either one. And we have to be smart about it and, and adjust. So, uh, yeah, but ultimately I thought he made the right decision. It was, it was harder for us to break them down and it became a tough game. Yeah, Paul, uh, you know, you have many great players there, but the one that intrigues me the most is, uh, is Macario. Uh, I, you know, the way she moves, just the different things she can be. And we know she I guess she won't be eligible to play for the U.S. women's national team if she chooses the U.S. over Brazil, which is seems like uh, it's the way, although Pia Sunhaga maybe have a may have a say in that. But uh, the Brazilca, new Brazil coach. But how, how, how do you um, it's interesting how you coach a kid like that, because you can't you can't hold her back. No, you want to give her freedom to express herself. Um, she's an incredible player, um, so gifted technically. Um, her intelligence level on the ball, the decisions she makes are phenomenal. So I want to give her as much freedom as possible. We actually changed her from a forward to a midfielder because of her attributes that she could create for our team as well as score goals. And the amount of goals and assists she got this year was truly extraordinary um, from that midfield position. So you definitely want to give her freedom, but something that um, – I don't think she gets enough credit for that. I hope everyone noticed this year is how good she was in transition with her defensive capabilities. And that's where we really wanted her to grow because many times you get a, an amazing talent like Katarina and you say, Hey, you're so good. 
you don't have to do that dirty work. We want you to just stay there and get the ball and then do your magic. But in my mind, to be a complete player, you want to be able to be a great defender and a great attacker. And that's what will help propel her to get to the to full national team um, position in the future, I think. So she's a great talent and, and the sky's the limit as she keeps as if she continues to work hard and and love the game like she does. There's no doubt she'll be at the, the top level of women's soccer in the future. I don't always keep track of records, stats and things, but I, I, I think it wasn't it 35 goals, 23 assists, something in that neighborhood. And it can't. Yeah. There can't be. I'm not sure. Exactly, I can't imagine but I know anybody that's overcome was over in there for goals. So yeah, yeah, I mean, absolutely amazing how many goals and assists she got. And uh, usually, you see a player and they're one, they're lopsided one way or the other. They're either a goal scorer or a great creator. But to get both, like you do with Katarina, is what separates her as, as in my mind, the best player in the entire country. All right, Paul. Paul Ratcliffe, uh, head coach, Stanford University, uh, third national championship uh, this past Sunday. Paul, thanks so much. Congratulations, and uh, in, enjoy whatever time you get here. Thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate it. The Division One men's champions, Georgetown University, in their second college cup and first since 2012. They defeated the University of Virginia in penalties after a 3-3 draw through regulation and sudden death overtime. Brian Weiss and his staff named the NCAA Coaching Staff of the Year. Just one loss in 24 matches. That was to Louisville in the regular season. They were able to avenge that defeat in the second round of the NCAAs with a 5-1 thrashing at Georgetown. Weiss will join us in a later episode. In Division II, Grand Valley State defeated Western Washington 1-0 in overtime on the women's side. Gianna Parlove scored the golden goal, and Grand Valley State with their sixth national championship since 2009. And like Grand Valley State, Messiah won their sixth national championship in Division III. Scott Fry has been the head coach for all those titles, this year defeating William Smith 1-0. In the Division II men's side, Charleston, West Virginia, they won their second national title in three years with a 2-0 triumph over Cal State L.A. Freddie Tracy had both goals and was named the Outstanding Player of the Tournament. Meanwhile, the Tufts University men won their second consecutive national championship and third in four years, Gavin Tasker with the game winner and Josh Shapiro, he's been the head coach for four national championships at Tufts. In the NAIA, Central Methodist of Missouri became the first team to win back-to-back -back men's titles since Lindsey Wilson in 1999. They knocked off Hastings of Nebraska 3-1 in the final. And Kaiser in Florida, led by the tournament's defensive MVP, Josephine Tronby, defeated Marion of Indiana 2-0 in the title match. On the junior college level, the Monroe men and women were trying to make it a national championship sweep. The number one Monroe men capped off a perfect 18-0 season with a 2-1 triumph over Eastern Florida State. For the women, they lost their first and only match of the season in the final, dropping a 4-1 decision to Tyler of Texas. Marcus Bernardo, he's got the unique distinction of being the head coach of both the men's and women's programs at Monroe College, which is in New York City. And that'll do it for this week's episode of On Frame. Tune in every week, available on TuneIn, iTunes, and Spotify. This is Glenn Crooks, On Frame.